My next guest is president and CEO of the Toronto Region Board of Trade, one of the largest, most influential business organizations in North America. She is spearheading efforts to make Toronto one of the most competitive and sought after business regions in the world. Jan DeSilva, welcome to Toronto this weekend. Thanks, Maggie. Great to be here. We are just hearing about the passing of David Onley. Just some of your thoughts on uh, hearing this news. Well, uh, as you would have seen from a lot of uh, dignitaries that reflected on the incredible impact that he had, um, he was just an important driver for the province and he leaves a, a legacy of tremendous impact. So I, I join others in, in just reflecting on what an amazing contribution he made to the province. Absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, people will be talking about him for years and years and years to come. So tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about yourself, uh, Jan, uh, before we get into all of the issues surrounding business in the city. You've had a very busy career, 14 years as an international CEO for Sun Life and in 2019 appointed by the prime minister to represent Canada at the um, APEC Business Advisory Council. What is it about this current role that interests you and uh, has you fully in? Well, can I tell you, Maggie, and one other piece of my history that's also important to my role, I grew up in Kitchener-Waterloo, so I'm a KW girl originally. Yeah. And so what uh, the amazing part of this role, and it was eight years ago last week that I returned from Hong Kong to take on this role, is that uh, the international exposure I get has really educated me and makes me aware of competitiveness issues and how these other markets are moving forward. And if I look at the Toronto-Waterloo corridor, my stomping ground and the stomping ground that matters the most for our, our businesses, this is our big economic zone, um, we've got a tremendous opportunity to pay attention to what's happening globally, but to supercharge our competitiveness here at home. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I'm doing is borrowing best practices from abroad, but really working across the corridor with great colleagues at uh, all ends of the corridor to really support the business community, uh, jobs, and the future of the economy. Yeah. There are a number of concerns on the business front, and one is housing affordability in the city of Toronto. You know, I spoke to one couple uh, just a month or so ago who moved from Toronto to Nova Scotia because you know, rent prices were so high, they have a small business, and they just couldn't see that being feasible in the city with everything going on. And so they have you know, moved to Nova Scotia, moved to a small town, and actually bought the one grocery store in yeah. the town and is transforming that. You know, There are so many small businesses that are just feeling the pinch. Uh, do you think that the city's housing plan will work to try to help that bring people back into the city? You know, Maggie, it's it's uh, it's not just housing. We yeah. are, um, you know, we have been the beneficiaries, uh, Greater Toronto. We've been the beneficiaries of incredible growth. We uh, pre-COVID, we were the fastest growing city in uh, U.S. and Canada, second fastest growing region. And our challenge, quite frankly, is that we are choking on that growth. Uh, we are the beneficiaries of almost 50 percent of immigration that comes into the country. But whenever immigration is permitted, which we desperately need, there's no housing strategy, there's no ability to get uh, uh, these newcomers integrated into jobs that uh, take advantage of the skills they're bringing into the community. Uh, and a lot of that has to do, uh, not to get into the weeds about it, but we've got a, a post-Confederation governance model where we've got cities that can only tackle so much 
within their mandate and their budgets. And we need pro the province and uh, the federal government to be more actively involved in a forward-looking plan. It's housing, it's uh, transit, it's employment lands, it's uh, movement of goods. We've got 40% of the country's manufacturing in Southern Ontario, and all of these are critical pain points for us and risks to the economy going forward. Now, Jen, we're not obviously the first city to go through this, right? Like we're not, you know, there are many cities in the world that are navigating all of these things mm -hmm. from immigration to housing. So, you know, when you talk, you're not the only one that criticizes the city, the province and the federal government on forward thinking uh, when it comes to how do we actually you know, how does Toronto actually move into the status of being a world-class city and operating that way? Uh, but what are you seeing that other cities maybe are doing right that we are not doing correctly? Well, and I'm going to I'm going to give a plug. Um, Bill Morneau, our former finance yep. minister, is just launching a book uh, titled Where to From Here. And he talks about uh, where we uh, need to strike a better balance. We've been doing uh, tremendous work and there's so much more that needs to be done around inequality, income inequality, uh, inequality and opportunity across the country. But we've done that at the expense of economic competitiveness. And so where we see other jurisdictions being able to assimilate and accommodate growth and embrace growth, it's because there's been a, a critical understanding that we need a strong competitive economy. And yes, uh, listeners might be saying, well, she's the, you know, she's the business representative. That's quite self-serving. But the reality is all of us have registered retirement savings plans. We need strong, profitable companies uh, in those investments in our RSPs to ensure we've got a strong retirement. And we need great jobs for our kids. And we need an economy that is just supporting all aspects of livability that we've come to uh, become accommodated to in Canada, but is critically at risk at the moment because we really need to stop doing what we've always been doing and focus on a new way forward. So are you saying, because we are seeing some companies move south of the border and out of the country, are, are you saying creating a safety net for these companies to better thrive within the city of Toronto? Is that what you're alluding to? Well, what I'm talking about, and I'm, I'm talking about, again, this economic zone that is Toronto-Waterloo Corridor, it's 25% yeah. of the country's GDP, which is our economic activity, and that funds a lot of the social programs across the country. Yeah. But here's the thing that we look at. Um, I mentioned before, 40% of the country's manufacturing is here. The large companies in manufacturing, almost 60% of them are foreign-owned. Mm. And they're here because there are competitive advantages at the moment, but they've got a world of options available to them. And if we don't remain competitive, mm -hmm. uh, those investments and those jobs will move. Uh, we've already seen um, tremendous opportunity ahead for us in electric vehicle manufacturing. We've seen lots of investments by Ford, Toyota, GM, and others, the provincial federal governments to ensure that electric vehicle manufacturing remains here. Yeah. But we've had members of the supply chain that feed into that, which are a lot of jobs here in Ontario, where there's been talent shortages on Ontario, contracts are instead going to the U.S. operations for those same supply chain companies. So this is, you know, at, at the crux of it, this is why making sure that we create a plan 
for being competitive, that we don't have congestion on the highways, not only for commuters, but also for these parts that need to go back and forth to manufacturing, because otherwise those jobs and those investments will move to other jurisdictions that have figured all of this out. Yeah. Housing affordability is another critical piece around attracting talent and keeping talent here so that we can fill the jobs that are required uh, in those areas. So for us, everything comes back to getting that laser focus on what are the pain points to competitiveness and how do we uh, how do we stand up solutions? Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to return with more with Jan De Silva. Stay with us. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto. We are back with President and CEO of the Toronto Region Board of Trade, Jan De Silva. Jan, one of... Um, you know, the other issues that many downtown cores, specifically Toronto, is facing is this hybrid approach, right? Many companies yeah. um, are seeing, you know, their employees are are experiencing this hybrid approach where they're working in office, but then also working at home. And while this works for employees, that means the downtown core is pretty much empty. We're looking at vacancy rates for downtown Toronto offices climb to about 13.5%. Some people project it will get up to 20%. What does that mean for the future of downtown Toronto? It is, it is, boy, such an incredible challenge facing us as we're uh, coming through the other side of, of COVID. The mayor, uh, Maggie, has formed an economic advisory council. I sit on that. We've been really looking at this uh, problem in depth. It holds significant implications for the downtown. And there are kind of two sides of this. One part of this is we are seeing uh, a number of our workforce, uh, particularly in financial and professional services, that were easily able to work from home and uh, have a preference to continue to do so. And our challenge with downtown Toronto is that we're heavy, heavily weighted with those types of businesses, professional and, and financial services. So one of the pieces of work that the Board of Trade has been doing as part of this alignment with the Mayor's Economic Council is to look at, as uh, office space becomes available, what other sectors are there within the city that uh, require in-person work uh, for their activities to be completed? And is there an opportunity to work with the building owners to try to convert some of this space to meet these high demand areas? So two key examples that we're focused on, life sciences. We've got an incredible, uh, incredibly rich uh, ecosystem here that's developing advanced pharma, med tech and other things. They need lab space. They need wet lab space in particular. So our ability to try to work, as I said, with building owners to try to assimilate space to meet the needs uh, for those types of industries, because those workers need to be on site. You can't be doing testing in a hybrid environment. The other side, we've seen incredible investments in film uh, film space, um, and that's just such a huge part of the economy. It's an exciting part of the economy, but there's not enough post-production space. So again, to be looking at converting um, vacant space into post-production, uh, a post-production district in the city, would certainly help. So those are the things that we're going to have to look at. How do we shift the mix of business in the downtown core so that we can accommodate those businesses that require workers physically on site and create capacity for them? The other piece, and I know the mayor is uh, putting together a task force, we're participating in this. The other piece, quite frankly, we're hearing from a lot of our uh, large employers in the downtown core that they've got an increasing number of workers that do wanna come back. Mm -hmm. But um, 
The challenge is congestion. We have concerns and it's so unfortunate what's happening with some of the safety concerns that have arisen with TTC of late. Um, there hasn't been full return to uh, Metrolinx with the GO service. So as a result, those wanting to return to the office have jumped in their cars. And I don't know how much you're driving, Maggie. I, I try to take TTC whenever I can. It's painful. It's painful getting workers in and out of the city. Uh, we've got some buildings downtown. I hear from their members. It takes them 40 minutes to turn out of the parking garage just to try to get anywhere near the gardener. So we've got a a uh, number of problems that need to be worked through. They're not a quick fix, but uh, we're very pleased with the attention the mayor's putting to this and the people he's brought together. And we're very happy to contribute to working with our members, working with the building owners and working with the mayor to try to solve for this. I think the other piece that's been quite helpful to our smaller uh, members, the restaurants, the retailers uh, in the downtown core is with major events reopening in a big way that has certainly helped. Uh, it is bringing people back into the core, but there's still much to be done so that we can drop that number from the 13% vacancy to something that was a bit healthier than the 2% that it was before COVID. Yeah, a lot of things uh, on the plate there. You know, you you brought up uh, congestion <laughs> and I, you know, yeah. it, it's the reality of living in the city or even commuting into the city. Um, are there revenue tools that the city is not considering? And one of them that some have thrown around are potentially road tools within the city. I want to play a clip of what Doug Ford had to say about uh, road tools potentially um, being instituted into the city. Listen to this. Yeah, no, I'm not in favor of tolls. We took tolls off uh, out in uh, the Durham region. I, I think what, what every city should do is bring in some Lean Six Sigma experts to uh, look at process and how we can do things better. And we're doing at the province, and there's still, I'm always up here, you know, I'm first to admit, no matter if it's municipal or, or provincial and federal, uh, there's always ways to drive efficiencies and look at continuous improvement. I just put my private sector hat on, and, and again, uh, there's better ways of delivering services through technology and uh, different processes. So, that's what I would recommend uh, them doing. And I, I know I mentioned this yesterday, but when we went down to Toronto, there, there was there was big deficits, but we drove efficiencies and found a billion dollars of savings. So there's better ways of doing things to answer your question. What are your thoughts, Jan, on you know the idea of potentially having road tools? Would that help the problem? Um, I think... Number one, road tolls would be a revenue tool, but we don't like them. And here's the challenge with road tolls. We need to reflect on who needs to drive in through the regional highways that the city has responsible for, responsibility for it. And the reality is we've got essential workers that simply are priced out of the city. You've got paramedics, you've got nurses, you've got teachers. These are not folks. I was going to say you have can, talk show hosts as well. And talk show hosts, there you go. <laughs> but uh, these are folks that are just simply priced out of the city. And it's just not it's just not feasible um, to be putting a road toll in place for that. Um, I have a tremendous respect for, uh, for Premier Ford. The one thing I would say that we need to start having a much more transparent conversation about is the fiscal state of the city of Toronto the largest city by uh, population in the country. It is the only city in the country that has been downloaded financial responsibility for three regional highways. That's 427 Gardner DVP, 
It's the only city in the country that is responsible for financing Toronto community housing. It's the second largest uh, social housing stock in North America, and that was downloaded to the city. And we're also the beneficiaries of much of the immigration that comes to the country. But unlike, say, province of Quebec, with uh, those newcomers that are coming to the city, there's no support from the province or the federal government for housing or for support to get them settled into community. So there are a lot of pressures that Toronto is facing and property taxes just simply aren't going to solve them. So you're gonna increasingly hear from organizations like ours about the fundamental fiscal unsustainability of what the city faces. Um, I, you know, I take the premier's point that yes, there's always operating efficiencies, but we've got big, big, big mountains of, of fiscal problems that are not going to be solved by um, kind of looking at operating efficiencies. These are fundamental things that are well outside the capacity of property taxes to fund. So it either is going to require uploading these pieces um, to the province and the federal government or a different funding model for the city, because what we have today is quickly, we're, we're quickly coming to a cliff in terms of where we are. And I know as the mayor was running for re-election, citizens in the city, understandably, very fussed about the city seeming to fray, parts, parks not being open, roads, those types of things. It all has to do with the fact there's limited fiscal capacity and uh, city council and the mayor's hands are pretty much tied unless we get this fixed. Absolutely. And Torontonians' hands are tied because we keep shelling out the money over and over and over again. Thank you so much, yeah. Jan, for your time today. Great to join you, Maggie. That was Jan De Silva, president and CEO of Toronto Region Board of Trade. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto.